What is up, guys? Welcome back to the latest episode of Chatter from the Cheap Seats. My name is Jack Feldman. My co-host sitting over here's name is Sammy Crimstein. Sammy Morris Crimstein, to be exact. <laughs> no, I got to sneak it in there. Sammy, how you doing? I'm doing very good. Um, I got. I think Jack got his actually before mine, but uh, this weekend I got my first dose of the COVID vaccine, which was I went to M&T Bank Stadium. So it's my first time back inside a sports venue since like 2019 so that was great um just being in there and uh you know i got my dose and uh, i'm i'll go back to my second one at some point uh like you know in may so soon enough i'll be fully vaccinated and that's a great feeling um you know i'm sure for you too jack right great feeling how is mnt bank stadium so you like when you say you were inside the stadium were you like in like a concourse or where yeah. were you? So we went in the main entrance, which is like the concourse area. We waited there. We we were walk-ins, um, so we were just kind of waiting. Um, and they let us in. They take the first 200 people. So, yeah, I got there early enough, and we just had to wait in line for a while. I actually pulled out uh, – I don't know if you're familiar with the nine innings baseball game on the phone, but uh, I pulled that out, and that's a surprisingly good game. I played that for a while just while I was waiting in line. And then they took us up into like the upper concourse area, which is like inside. That's where they gave us our dose. But it, it was really well run. And I got out of there in like two hours. So that was so good. okay. Okay, that's awesome. I was thinking yeah. it would have been cool if like you were on the field. I'm like, that would have that would be because that's what I was picturing at first when they nah. said that, you know, like <laughs> no they were gonna have cool. the vaccines in different stadiums. I was thinking it'd just be a long line of people on the field right up on the well, field. Although I have stadiums. been on the field at MNT Bank Stadium. Uh, Have you? I, yeah, because uh, my parents work in video production and they had a thing with Justin Forsett. Uh, I don't know if you remember him, but he was like the running back for the yep. Raiders. And uh, they they let me go along with. So I got to play catch with Justin Forsett, uh, like on the field. And That's pretty cool. That was, that was an experience. I mean, that was like, and then we got to go in the locker rooms and like it was. I'm not a Ravens fan, so I did feel a little guilty about it for all my friends that were Ravens fans, but uh, that was an experience. Yeah. I mean, that was just so fun. But uh, Jack, do you remember that game when we played when we were kids? It's like a board game. It's called Guess Who, right? We Sammy, have- I was literally, I was just about to make a transition because you were you mentioned nine innings. So I was going to say, Sammy, remember, I was like, Sammy, That's nine up. innings is a good game. You know what else is a good game? Guess who? But you stole my thunder. I I stole Jack's thunder, but yes, guess who is? It was a fun game, and I'm going to play it with Jack here today. So I have a player in my mind, and I'm going to give Jack a few hints, a few stats, and Jack's going to try and guess who it is. And uh, yeah, so this is a relief pitcher. Okay. I'm going to give you his stats since September, right? It's definitely going to be like, an obscure relief pitcher for the Cubs. Can I can I make a guess? Can I make a guess before any statistics are shown? Oh God! Is it is it Craig Kimball? Kimball? It is Craig Kimball. It is. That's insane. That's <laughs> oh my God! Not go over this before the show. But okay, that's ridiculous. The that just point of you this, like, the point of me putting this in the show, 
was, and we'll talk about how bad the Cubs have been offensively, but Craig Kimbrell has been really good. Uh, 12 innings pitched since last September. In those 12 innings, no walks, no home runs, no runs given up, uh, a negative FIP, which is obviously first among relievers, and a 57.9 strikeout rate. I think that's 22 strikeouts he has in those 12 innings, which is second among relievers, only to Aroldis Chapman. So that's that's interesting. But, I mean, Kimbrell is uh, really kind of having a resurgence, and the Cubs' bullpen's looking to be pretty good. But uh, we'll, we'll talk later in the show about um, their offense. Okay, Sammy, Sammy, we, can't, we can't just gloss over this. I mean, that is like – that's incredible ridiculous. what I just did. That's incredible. Oh, just guessing Craig Kimbrell or Craig Kimbrell? Yes, no that just that shows you <laughs> that shows the audience how well I know Sammy. That I just knew immediately that was Craig Kimbrell. No, <laughs> yeah, that, that's pretty impressive. Wow. I have to say, I mean, that might be the most impressive thing that's ever happened on this show. Yeah, I think I mean, that is that like, that's pretty, by far. That was a random guess too. I mean, could have been a lot of Cubs relievers, and I because I, I, I do want to show people that I think a lot of people. Obviously, we're hating on Kimbrell when he was having historically bad numbers in those first few outings of last year. But, you know, since September, he has been lights out for the Cubs. And if I'm a, you know, hitter in the league, Kerry Kimbrell is the last reliever I would want to face right now. I mean, that fastball's working like it used to. I mean, it has that, like, Magnus effect going up sort of thing that it used to do when he was really in his prime and then his curveball i mean he's really a two-pitch guy right fastball curveball and they're both working very well uh so that's been fun to watch but let's actually start with the cubs here because um or uh, jack i'll let you go through the one minute recap of some things that have happened this week but then we can kind of go in depth with the cubs offensively because i have a lot of words and frustration for um because it's been rough here in the early going first 10 games so i'll let jack go first he's gonna recap uh, these first uh, or the second week of baseball that we've had. Yes, we have the recap of the second week of baseball. Starting off, the Nats snapped their five-game losing streak as they got get Schwarber and Josh Bell in the lineup for the first time. The big free agency additions: Braves versus Phillies, Sunday night baseball. Horrific call, worst call all season. One of the worst calls that I can remember in recent history, and especially the part where they have it on challenge, like they have it on replay, and they still can't get it right. Yeah, that's pretty bad. It makes no sense because generally, if you're looking at something in slow motion, you you tend to get it right, and they didn't, which is odd. You know, it's odd. Oh, yeah, I, yeah that was very interesting. Hitting woes continue. Not fun times for Sammy Crimstein. Not fun times. No. Musgrove, Joe Musgrove with a no-hitter. His slider was absolutely filthy. It looked just like magic out there. It, it didn't look real. It looked like he was playing with a wiffle ball. The Red Sox win seven straight after being swept by the O's. Are they what Sammy predicted they will be? I don't think so, Sammy. That was a wild prediction. It was. I, I, I'll, I'll, we'll get into that. We'll get into that. And then finally, should the A's be worried about their three and seven starts? Sammy, let's start off at the top. The Nats snapped their five-game losing streak. What do you have to say about this? Well, yeah, I mean, I it was a pretty rough stretch of games. You know, they won opening day, and then you lose the next five. But it wasn't really their fault. I mean, maybe their fault for getting COVID, but all of the, uh, their new additions, right? John Lester had COVID. Uh, Kyle Schwarber, Josh Bell, their big additions 
could not play to open the season. That's not what you want to open the season, especially when um, your first or second series of the year, second series, I believe, is against the Dodgers, and they could hardly put up any runs. I mean, not to their fault. I mean, when you're facing Bueller and Kershaw and Bauer, I'm not exactly who they faced, but everyone in that Dodgers rotation is someone to be feared. So I, I think as a Nats fan, you snapped the streak last night, and that's huge. I don't think you should really have to worry about this skid that much. I mean, three of the five games were within two runs, so they're playing close ball games. And like I said, they're very diminished right now. A lot of their guys had COVID. Um, it was really just the offense that was struggling the, those first few games. But like I said, when you're playing the Dodgers, it's going to be like that. I think now uh, anything's easier than the Dodgers. So the schedule's going to get slightly easier. And I think with guys coming back, Bell and Schwarber, like you said, just came back yesterday. So that's huge. And I think the Nationals will get right back on track. And I, we're not going to talk about this too much, but the Braves are cold offensively. And these other teams in the NL East, it's a great opportunity for them to capitalize and uh, get in front here in this NL East race. Because we all know that this is going to be a competitive division really five teams that could possibly win it with the Marlins pitching really well here to start the year. So uh, for me, I wouldn't really worry about this losing skid for the Nationals. Now that they're getting their main guys back uh, from COVID, they're going to be right back on track, and it's a good opportunity for them to capitalize uh, in this division. Now here's the thing. Normally I would not be concerned. You know, we don't want to overreact. It's been – what did, the season started April 1st. We're recording this on April so we're like two weeks in 13th. It's been 13 days, literally. So, you know, we don't want to overreact. However, when you're in a really good division like the NL East, things are going to move more fast paced. You don't have time to go on that two week losing skid, three week losing skid, because that eventually turns into mid July and you're down five games in the division, and you're trying to crawl yourself out of the hole that you dug for yourself. So right now, not concerned, but that can change real fast when you're in a division like the NL East. Yeah, and let, let's move on here down our little list. Braves and Phillies, we talked about this a little bit, but it was that call Alex Baum well, was sliding in there. It was a end of the game, and it was pretty clear that he was out. We all saw it as fans. The fans at the ballpark seem to think that. Even Bohm seemed to think that after the ball game because he was asked in an interview and he was like, hey, they called me safe. That's all that matters. So they obviously got the call wrong. Do you think – and after the challenge, like you said. So do you think this is an issue that MLB has to fix? I mean, it doesn't happen too much, but what do you think MLB does, the league does to – prevent this these kind of things from happening? I mean, I don't know what you can really do to prevent this thing from happening because it's like, it's just incompetence on the umpires, on the umpires part. You know, it's sort of like they had every opportunity to make the right call. They had the replay. They had a wide variety of angles and they still couldn't get it right. And this kind of reminds me which doesn't relate to this. Like, it's not about the Phillies-Braves game, but it's important. This kind of reminds me about the Mets when Michael Conforto leaned into that pitch, and you could see it clear as day on replay that that should not have been a hit-by-pitch. It should have been a strike. 
but oh, yeah, yeah. They, they're not allowed to challenge that, which makes no sense. I don't understand. I get balls and strikes, but outside of balls and strikes, if you can see clearly on replay that the call on the field is wrong, I don't understand why you can't challenge that. Because it, it just, like, yeah. does that make sense to you, Sammy? No. Well, especially in high leverage situations. Like, maybe if it's the first inning and someone gets hit and it's questionable, like, a manager probably wouldn't even want to challenge that. But at the end of a game, I mean, who knows? The Mets, we were talking about the NL East is going to be an extremely competitive division. And uh, they won that game, but uh, that was the Phillies they are playing, I believe, right? That could cost the Phillies a playoff spot uh, down the road, which is huge. And that's why I think a lot of these calls should get challenged because umpires are human. They're going to make mistakes, and we have to be able to give them a chance to look back at it, have other people look at it, and sometimes even they get that wrong, like in this Braves-Philly situation. But uh, Phillies have been on the wrong end, or I guess they're on the right end of a call on Sunday Night Baseball and on the wrong end of a call against the Mets. But um, let's continue now. And I already got into this a little bit, but it's been a rough week for me as a Cubs fan. I'll say we lost a series to the Pirates, and we lost game one of a series to the Brewers last night. And the pitching has been pretty average, you know, nothing spectacular. But the offense has been historically bad and before i have jack say some things about this maybe see what he has to think as a non-cubs fan uh i'll go through some of these stats because it's pretty ridiculous so the cubs 49 hits through 10 games is the lowest in any 10 game stretch in franchise history since 1901 not just the first 10 games uh any 10 game stretch and the only team i think to it worse than that in the past 20 years or so was the Detroit Tigers uh, sometime in the early 2000s. That year, Jack, they won 43 games. That's so not a lot not, of <laughs> Not good company the Cubs no are running. in right now. And in terms of their other stats, 164 average as a team, 30th in the league, 264 on base percentage. There are teams that are hitting higher than the Cubs are getting on base, probably a lot of teams, to be honest. That's last in the league. They're only slugging 321, which is last in the league. Their war offensive war is negative, negative 0.2, 30th in the league. And when you dissect this and look at what's happening, the Cubs are not making contact in the strike zone, not making contact at all. They're the lowest contact rate in the league at just 69.9%, and they're being too passive. They're only swinging 43.5% of the time. And when you look at those two things, they should not go together. If you're passive, you should be making contact a lot when you're swinging. But if you're maybe aggressive, maybe those contact rates will go down a little bit. But the Cubs are not swinging a lot, and they're not making contact a lot. That's an issue. And Chris Bryant is like the only guy playing well right now, and I love to see it. But it's kind of a slap in the face because if he's playing well and the team is not playing well, it's kind of common knowledge that the Cubs are going to be looking to trade him. So that's super painful to just think about that. Um, so it's been really rough. I have a lot more stats I could go and talk about, but uh, I don't want to depress myself too much here or bore our listeners too much. But at the end of the day, historically bad start for the Cubs. And 
Jack, when I ask you, this is a talented group of guys, right? A lot of guys who have these, a lot of the same guys who won the World Series in 2016, um, guys who put up good numbers in previous years. What's going on here? What do you think they're going to be able to get out of this? And if so, do you think they can crawl back? And I mean, because there are only four and six right now, not too horrible. Yes. So I'm not worried with with the Cubs. I think that you know it's very early. They're not in that tough that tough NL East. So I'm not going to overreact to anything. I'm going to try to look on the bright side here. Thank and you. Chris Bryant has been playing amazing. He's a 1.022 OPS. And obviously, we know it's been two weeks, but you know he's he he's, has three home runs, 184 OPS plus. He's playing incredible, and he's oh, yeah. a guy who's coming off of you know not the best season injuries yeah injuries true that's true but also just like when he was playing he wasn't fully there a lot of that was probably because he was playing hurt love to see but yeah love to see chris bryant playing well so that's definitely a plus for the cubs hopefully the rest of the team can start matching his play and they can be a serious playoff contender yeah you know my feelings on that yeah sammy has opposite feelings on that chris bryant is the but, only player on the Cubs with an OPS over 800. Think about that's, that. That's not good. That is not good. And he, something, great, something that we have the same opinion on is how awesome Joe Musgrove was when he threw that no-hitter. Sammy, we were watching that live together on FaceTime. Were. Just run me through a breakdown of your mind what was going on when you were watching those last couple innings. Well, I remember it was before you called me, and I, I got a notification on my phone. It was, like, probably during the sixth or seventh inning, and Musgrove's thrown a no-hitter. And I'm like, oh, this is pretty interesting. And I think I either put it on the TV then. I put it on, like, the seventh, eighth inning. And, I mean, it was pretty fun to watch. Once you get to a certain point in these no-hitters, you know history's coming. You're on the edge of your seat. You're like, oh, wow. We could be watching something here that's really special. And every time the bat hits the baseball, you get scared. You're like, oh my God, is this going to be it? Is this going to be the hit? Oh my God. And that never happened for Musgrove. Nothing fell. There were no hits. Incredible. And Jack already mentioned this before, but a lot of it was that slider. He was very reliant on that. And when you have a pitch that that, that is that good, you can absolutely go ahead and rely on it. Absolutely nasty. I mean, there were a few pitches Jack and I were watching on FaceTime, like he said. I was just like, whew. I mean, tough not to react when you see a pitch that, like you said, looks like it can be thrown with a wiffle ball. Um, another thing I'd like to mention, former Cub Victor Caratini caught this no-hitter. He has caught two straight no-hitters, if you haven't already heard. He caught uh, the last one in MLB, Alec Mills, throwing it in Milwaukee last year uh, as a member of the Cubs. And then he gets traded to San Diego as part of the U Darvish deal. And what does he do? He catches Joe Musgrove's um, no-hitter. And the, the funny thing is, he missed a perfect game by just one pitch, a hit-by-pitch. Without that, Joe Musgrove would have had a perfect game, which is uh, obviously even more rare than a no-hitter. So this guy is great. This season has been going fun, really, really well for him. Three for 48 Hitters are against Musgrove this year, so he's having a ton of success. No hitter, very well deserved. And uh, Jack, pretty cool that he's like a hometown guy, right? San Diego with the tattoo and everything. Can't hear you. 
21st century problems microphone was muted but no that's very cool and i wonder like there's got to be a stat out here that shows like what percentage of hitters that or what percentage of pitchers that take a no hitter like through six innings get a no hitter because i feel like whenever you see that notification pop up it's like like, you know well i I have like a similar... You don't actually think, and once they're in like the seventh inning, like once you see that seven on the scoreboard, for some reason, I just feel like if I'm watching someone who has a no hit bid in the seventh, I don't think I've ever seen it getting broken up. You know, I watch Verlanders. Yeah, I, I actually have a stat to the contrary. Uh, the Padres, obviously, you know, this is their first no hitter. 23 Padres pitchers in their history have had at least seven no hit innings. I mean, and I'm not saying like that is obviously that is, like the majority of no hitters do get broken up. I'm just saying it's like, you know, for yeah. some reason, it's like for some reason when I was younger, whenever I turn on a Yankees game, Steven Drew would always hit a home run. Steven Drew, I don't think has ever had 20 home runs in a season, but for some reason, whenever I turn on a game, he hits a home run. And that's sort of like what this is. Yeah, but I mean, just watching Musgrove, really fun. And, you know, as the hometown guy, he has the Padres tattoo that he got before he was a member of the Padres because he was a huge fan growing up. And he throws their first franchise no-hitter. That's a moment, and I loved watching it. It was fun to kind of be a part of. Um, Something else that's happening that Red Sox fans will be very happy with, they got swept by the Orioles, which is not good to start the season. But since then, they've won seven straight, including going to Baltimore and getting revenge by sweeping the Orioles. So, Jack, I mean, it's only seven games. It's early. If the Red Sox keep playing like this, are you going to be a little bit scared? A little bit scared of the Red Sox? I'm not going to dignify that with a response. So let's move on now. No, I'm kidding. No, I'm not going to be scared of the Red Sox. I don't think they're – I mean, they don't have the pitching – to be good for an extended period of time, they're going to falter soon. J.D. Martinez is playing out of his mind. He won't be able to keep that up. Their pitching will crack at some point, and they they will be straight to the bottom of the division. Uh, uh, now, see, I, I disagree there. I mean, a team. I mean, but how do you disagree? Like, their pitching is just I mean, awful. I, their pitching, when you look at it so far this season, has been about average which when I was making my prediction, right, I had the Red Sox winning 86 games. I think that pitching is good enough. Ridiculous. Brave average, maybe a little below that. But when you look at this offense, it can really be one of the best in the league. Martinez looks like he can possibly play at an MVP level, and he's not going to keep what he's been doing up, but he's been playing incredible. Christian Vasquez, one of the best uh, offensive catchers in baseball, Verdugo has been cold, but he'll heat up. Rafael Devers has home runs in the last four games. Xander Bogarts. I mean, you look at this offense, has a lot of potential to be very, very good for the Red Sox. And you can have a lackluster pitching rotation. But to win 86 games, to get in the 80s, you don't need a great rotation and a great offense. They have the great offense already. If their rotation can keep them in some games and, you know, be okay, that's all they need, and I think they can do that. We'll see. We'll see about that. Now, a team that is going in the exact opposite direction as the Red Sox to start the season. Sammy, your Oakland Athletics, should they be worried about their 3-7 and seven start? I mean, I, like we said, it's very, very early, and we don't want to get too caught up in a lot of these early numbers, statistics, wins, and losses. 
but I would be a little bit worried if I'm the A's, partly because the Astros have been playing great baseball and they're looking like they're right back where they kind of were in 2019 before the whole cheating scandal. They have a lot of guys hitting very well and they're getting pretty good production out of that rotation as well. And if you're Oakland, the thing I'm concerned about is your bullpen because last year you had one of the best bullpens in baseball. I think a lot due to Liam Hendricks because when you have a an X factor like Hendricks, you can manage that bullpen in a lot of different ways around him. I think that's part of the reason a lot of relievers on the Brewers have success because they have Josh Hader and you know teams really scheme around that. So it gives them more flexibility with their bullpen. Losing Hendricks was crucial. You look, their bullpen's been abysmal. Third worst in baseball this year. Uh, a, an ERA over six, which is outrageously bad. And that was kind of unimaginable last year. They didn't lose that many pieces besides Hendricks. They added uh, Trevor Rosenthal. But Trevor Rosenthal, or they, they, had, they had some new additions as well. So this bullpen has been abysmal for Oakland. And... Unless that gets turned around, that was the good part of their team last year. This offense is average at best. I, I think it could get a little too much hype sometimes even. So Oakland's really got to turn it around, especially, like I said, with the Astros and even the Angels playing pretty well. So, Jack, I'm going to ask you the same question. Are you concerned here with the uh, Oakland Athletics? No, my stance isn't going to change team to team. It's still early. I don't I'm, – I'm not – energetic enough to be concerned with a team outside of the Yankees this early with the Yankees. I'm overreacting like crazy. No, I'm kidding, but yeah, you know, I'm not going to overreact. Although I will say that the duo of Matt Chapman and Matt Olson might be one of the most underrated duos in all of baseball. Both of them are two of the best fielders in baseball. Both of them have power. They're so fun to watch, and it's it's a shame that Oakland's not going to be able to keep them oh, and, uh, once they Trevor hit free Rosenthal, agency. I just looked it up. Trevor Rosenthal has an illness now, so he they, they're not even going to have him. Uh, it could be I think he was he had surgery. Yeah, he had um or something. Yeah, he, he had like some. It was it was obscure. Like it wasn't something. Yeah, I've heard not of. something I've heard of either. But yeah, Oakland. Um, you know, I, I'm not trying to overreact here, but. Just with your bullpen, which was the great part of your team, not being as good, that's the concerning part for me. If you can turn that bullpen around, if you get Rosenthal back, that's that's what you want. But uh, we'll just have to see with Oakland. And now it's time for us to go with our pitchers, players, games, all of that of the week. So I guess we can start with game of the week. Jack, I'll let you start. Sammy. My game of the week was an app. Sammy, when I say an absolute doozy, I mean, it was so fun to watch. And you you might be thinking, Sammy, what game am I going to choose? I think it's going to be a Yankees game here. Was it a Yankees game? Uh, It has to be a Yankees game. Sammy, it was a Yankees game. (laughs) When I say... How much I despise this extra innings rule. I hate it so much, even on the wins. But yes, yeah, so Sammy, I had the Toronto, or I guess 
they're in Florida. So I guess the Floridian Blue Jays. I like that. The Floridian Blue Jays versus your New York Highlanders, a.k.a. the Yankees. Great game. There was tons of scoring early, and the Yankees pulled away in the end, but the Yankees won 8-4, to four, but for the majority of the game, it was very close, and you kind of feel like, you know, it was like nail-biting to the end, and then Rufnet Odor had that game-winning single, and then the floodgates just opened. Gio had that hit, or uh, Glaber had that hit. It was just the floodgates open, and the Yankees came out with a victory. Yeah, I, I did see some highlights from that game. That seemed like a pretty fun one. I'm going to go with, uh, I guess, the obvious here. Padres at Rangers, Musgrove's no-hitter game. Friday, April 9th, Musgrove throwing the first Padres no-hitter in uh, their franchise history, which was incredibly impressive, as I are, we already talked about. It was also a pretty close game. If he lost it for an inning, and maybe in the seventh or eighth, maybe gave up like a home run and maybe a double and – I, this game could have changed. It was like a three, four run game the whole time. So a pretty close game the whole time. And for better or for worse, a full crowd of fans. So uh, yeah, that is my game of the week. I'll go now with my position player of the week. And this guy is the hottest hitter in baseball. Ronald Acuna Jr. is just my MVP pick, by the way is absolutely tearing it up up there. His stat line this week, 11 for 20. And this is as of yesterday. So yesterday's games are not accounted for. But uh, 11 for 20, three home runs, six RBIs, 550 average, 571 on base. He's slugging over 1,000. His Woba is first in the league. And he stole two bags, which in the course of a week, you have to think is pretty impressive. So this guy is hitting very well but especially with two strikes which is not been a strength of him that's my one flaw with his game is his at bats are not as good as some other guys like juan soto but so far he's hitting almost 400 with two strikes which is tied for 11th in major league baseball and he's hitting extra base hits three doubles and a home run with two strikes this year Uh, his career like i said he's not that good but if he can make that step and continue hitting well with two strikes, this guy's going to be unstoppable because that was really his only weakness that I could think of. He feels like a god. He base runs like a god. He hits for power. He hits for contact. Just sometimes those at-bats, hitting with two strikes, drawing walks, he's having issues with. He's doing all of those things now this year. So I'm loving what I'm seeing for Acuna, especially considering that he was my MVP pick. So... My pick's looking pretty good right now at this point. But, uh, yeah, Acuna has been very, very good. And I think the two-strike approach is really helping him with that. Yes, so I have Shohei Otani for my position player of the week. He hit the hardest ball of the season so far. Which Have you seen that? That was an absolute laser. Yeah, it was the same night he threw, at the time, the hardest pitch for – Right? am I wrong? Right, The hardest pitch for a starting pitcher? No, I think it was a different night. This was um his most recent start. I'm pretty sure he had it was an absolute laser. But so you're using him as a position player, not a pitcher. Not a pitcher. Pitching okay. doesn't count. It's position player of the week. Sammy, guess what this man's WRC plus is? Oh God, it's probably like 
440. No, not actually. It's probably like one, at least like 150. 216. Wow. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's that's not bad. It it is what you want, Sammy, it, in it, a ball player, and he just across the board getting on base at a high rate, 417 on base percentage, 391 batting average. He has an a- average exit velo of 90.5. He's it been getting cool. insanely lucky. His uh, BABIP is 471. I see. I disagree, but, though. When you're hitting it 90 miles an hour, that's not luck. Your ball's like hitting it hard. When you're lucky, that still counts for you. It still counts. So I don't know if that's I'm luck. not making predictions here. I, I'm just making recaps. And right now, he is playing amazing. Yeah, man. And if he can pitch pretty well, too, stay healthy. The Shohei MVP thing is not out of the question. I mean, he has been one of the That'd best be cool. hitters in baseball. And the pitching, I don't think he's been quite as good as he wants to be. I think the control is a bit of an issue. I think the stuff is there, obviously. He has some of the best stuff, pitching-wise, uh, among starting pitchers in the league. So if he can figure out the control and location part of the game, He's already hitting well. I mean, it, it's going to be scary. Uh, Shohei is an absolute beast of a human being. My pitcher of the week, now moving on to pitcher. Uh, we already talked about him a lot, but Joe Musgrove is my pitcher of the week. Stat line, nine innings pitched. Of course, no hits, no runs, 10 strikeouts, and one hit by pitched. That's all that separated his outing from being a perfect game. Kind of rough, just one pitch. Uh, but first no-hitter of 2021, first no-hitter of Padres uh, in the Padres history. Um, and the, the interesting thing, a lot of guys have that forcing fastball. That's their you know main pitch that he, they throw. Uh, Musgrove is not that. 13.4% of the pitches were forcing fastball. That is very low comparing him to a lot of other starting pitchers. He's relying a lot on that slider. His slider is really that one pitch he throws. And with a nice cutter and a really solid changeup, goes to the curveball sometimes. But, and that's really how he got this no hitter. Jack and I already talked a lot about his slider. Absolutely ridiculous. So much horizontal movement on that thing. Uh, it is incredible to watch. And of 71 pitchers to start two games thus far, Joe Musgrove is one of two to not yet uh, allow a earned run. Lance Lynn is the other pitcher in that category. So uh, both those guys pitching well, but Musgrove with the no-hitter, obviously my pitcher of the week. Obviously your pitcher of the week, Sammy. And I have Garrett Cole. He pitched two games this week, technically two games. First game against the Orioles, he went seven innings, no runs. And in his second game against the Blue Jays, he went six innings, one run, both Great starts. I think he combined for twenty for over like 22 strikeouts or something crazy like that. He's just dominant, man. And when he's on, he is so fun to watch. Oh, yeah. It's Garrett Cole. Um, oh, yeah. Definitely a Cy Young guy every year. I, I think he should always be in the conversation to be in the Cy Young. Ever since that ridiculous stretch in, I believe, 2019, he has been almost impossible to hit, and he is – Doing that again here in 2021. Now we have a fun series coming up this week. Uh, Series to watch. Watch the first of many between what is going to be a great rivalry. 
Dodgers at Padres. This, you got to watch this. Um, I'm going to be watching it. Jack is going to be watching it. You listening, are you're going to be watching uh, this game because, or this series, because it's going to be incredible. We're going to see, these are probably the two best teams in baseball right now. Uh, Musgrove threw a no-hitter. Uh, Bauer went like seven innings with, with a no-hitter in one of his outings. I mean, hell, I, these are just, I, we've talked a lot about how great these teams are, but to see them play each other in a regular season game for the first time, I am so excited. I, I can't even explain how excited I am. It's going to be a great series and rivalry division, two of the best teams in baseball, great starting pitching matchups, maybe a pitching duel, both have explosive offenses, maybe a high scoring game, probably going to get both of those in this series. I cannot wait, Sammy. You betcha I'm going to be watching this. Oh, yeah, 100%. Can't wait. Oh, yes. And uh, now it's time for basketball. We're going to be talking some basketball just for a little bit. So first, I'll start off with a one-minute recap of what has happened this week in the NBA. So a pretty big thing. Hawks uh, have surged to fourth place in the East. I think the beginning of March, end of February, these guys were not even in the top eight in the Eastern Conference. They are really hot at a great month of March, are carrying it into April, and they beat Zach Levine, who put up 50 uh, in Atlanta. Trey Young in that game uh, scores 42. That was rough to watch. I'm a Bulls fan. Uh, it's tough to see when uh, someone on your team drops 50 points and you still lose. Another guy who had a big week, Gary Trent who recently got traded from Portland. He's now uh, in Toronto, or really he's in Tampa because no one's in Toronto right now in terms of uh, professional sports. But he had 44 for the Raptors, and Portland is kind of regretting trading him because he has been really hot lately. And with a Toronto team trying to get into the play-in games, they're the 11th team. You have to be the 10th seed in the Eastern Conference to get into those play-in games. Trent is going to be a huge piece to try and help them get to that level. Another big game, Jason Tatum, the same night Levine put up 50. He put up 53 for the Celtics, a team that is drastically underperformed, but a team we should not forget about come playoff time because they have a lot of talent, underrated depth, and I would not be surprised to see these guys make a run. The Clippers out there in the Western Conference have been hot, five straight wins, and they're right on the Suns' tail for second place. And last night, uh, tough news, I think, around the league for sure. Jamal Jamal Murray tears his ACL, a huge blow for the Nuggets. And let's start by talking about that, Jack. How do you think this affects the Nuggets here? Because they're currently the fourth seed in the Western Conference. They want to have that home court advantage, especially in the season where fans are back. Uh, It's going to be the first playoff games with fans in the NBA for a while. But now one of your two stars goes down. Do you think they can maintain that home court advantage right now? Or do you think this is really going to hurt them? I mean, obviously, it's going to hurt them. You're losing Jamal Murray, who is one of the best players, if not the best player on that team. Not the best. I mean, Jokic. At times. On the team. <laughs> no, I mean, like, at times. Like, he, can, he has, the, he has oh, yeah. the capability to be the best player on that, on that team at any given moment. And it's just sad. I think this takes them out of the serious playoff contender 
picture. The, well, I mean, they're the fourth seed right now in the West. I'm not saying that they're not going to make the playoffs or be a high seed in the playoffs, but I can't see them making a deep title run without Jamal Murray. Yeah, and especially with the Clippers, like I talked about, who are really heating up. Paul George is playing really good basketball right now. But, uh, and, you know, if the Lakers get LeBron or AD back sooner than later, because uh, the Lakers are right behind the Nuggets, um, they may fall out of home court, home court advantage. And that's rough for the Nuggets. I mean, I think Jokic um, is obviously a guy who can do a lot by himself, but a lot of the reason we see his assist numbers so good is because he has another just top tier, high quality scorer in that offense. I mean, there are really a lot of them when you think about it over there in Denver, but this is a big blow. Nuggets fans, there's no beating around the bush here. It is rough to see. And uh, Jack, with the Atlanta Hawks, do you think they're going to hear, uh, we talked about the fourth seed in the West. They are currently the fourth seed in the East. Are you surprised by this? Uh, were you kind of expecting it all along? Because we did talk about when making our NBA season predictions a few months back, we were kind of talking about the Hawks could be a surprise, maybe eighth or seventh seed. But here they are sitting with home court advantage in the East. So uh, what are your thoughts here on the Atlanta Hawks? Yes. Yeah, so, you know, when we were making our predictions, I don't think anybody expected the Atlanta Hawks to be there. You know, yeah, it's just, it's one of those things where you look up in the standings a couple months in and you're like, huh, the Hawks, <laughs> you know, it wasn't like a hot take team. They were just there. Like they were just there. Oh yeah, man. And they're a fun team to watch. And um, they're not one of those like contender teams, uh, title contender teams in the Eastern conference, but I'd love to watch them and see them maybe take down the 76ers or the Nets or the Bucks, I, I would enjoy seeing that for sure. But now uh, we talk some basketball. It is time to move on to the NFL. Julian Edelman announced, uh, well, first he gets cut by the Patriots, but then we later learn that he is, it's just kind of the whole deal just to for him to retire. Hall of Famer or not, what is your take? He's not a Hall of Famer. That is all that needs to be said. Mo we're moving on from this discussion because this infuriates me. When people think that Julian Edelman is a Hall of Famer, he was a great player. He was a great player. He's going to be in the Patriots' ring of honor. He's going to get fitted for that nice red jacket that they have in the ring of honor. That's fine. I'm fine with that. I love watching Julian Edelman. One of the greatest postseason wide receivers of all time. However, if you compare him with some of the biggest like Hall of Fame snubs of all time from the wide receiver wide receiver position, his statistics don't even come close to matching some of those Herschel Walker guys. Yeah. Now, I, I agree with you in the fact that his stats are not Hall of Fame level, but the winning. I mean, when you think about it, he is out of wide receivers, and obviously he had a lot of help, Belichick and Brady and some great defenses over the years, but um, he was a part of a lot of winning teams. So I think Hall of Fame, that's a huge factor. Guys who win a lot in terms of the regular season and, you know, winning the Super Bowl, which Edelman has done both throughout the course of his career. So I agree with you that the stats are not there uh, in terms of Edelman being a Hall of Famer. But I think if he's a Hall of Famer, 
it's just going to be because he was a part of some legendary teams, uh, a lot of them really, and um, did a lot of winning during his time in the uh, NFL. Yes, winning does account for a lot, but you still have to have the statistics to back it up, and they're just not there for him right now. Now, I mean, the Cardinals must have an obsession with getting running backs that are good because James Conner, what a transition by me, by the way. I was thinking (laughs) of something in my head. I mean, that's just, that's a tremendous job right there. But no, but James Conner going to the Cardinals, Conner to the Cardinals, some alliteration there to spice up your day. What do you think about this move? I'll say I'm not in love with it. Um, they're they're not spending a fortune on them, so I'm not like a huge critic of what this move is. But when you look at last year's stats and his past few years, he had a great year when Le'Veon Bell got hurt. I believe it was 2018. But um, last year, 721 yards, only 4.3 per carry, which isn't horrible, but it's average. And I, I think for the Cardinals they can't expect anything more than a pretty average running back out of James Conner. And we also have to remember that he had some pretty damn good old lines in Pittsburgh. So that was a huge factor. And he's not the fastest guy in the world. He's a strong running back, which um, I think helps maybe if you don't have the best O-line, but he did have a lot of help from some great Pittsburgh O-lines. So I don't think we should be expecting him to be great in Arizona, but uh, with an offense that has been really building something special over the past few years, he's a nice piece that will fit in. This is not going to be a run-first offense. We're going to have to remember that. They're going to be able to be dangerous uh, from, the ru- from, the rushing, but, uh, from the rushing side of the ball, but uh, they have great receivers and a really solid quarterback. And now with after adding J.J. Watt and with Chandler Jones, a really good defense. So Cardinals, this is a nice complimentary move, but nothing incredible uh, on my account. Yeah, I agree with everything you just said. I mean, it's a good move. It's not a great move, but let's move on now to your favorite segment of the day, my favorite segment of the day, Ori's favorite segment of the day. Wish he was with us today, but I'm going to fill in for him on Ori's Amazon product of the day. And boy, do we have a doozy for you tonight, Sam. I will give you one guess. One guess to guess what it is. Wow. I don't know if I I could get the whole Craig Kimbrell level that you were at earlier in this episode. That was like some mind-reading stuff right there. Is it animal-related? No. Oh, not animal-related? Okay. That that was your one guess, Sammy. All right, that was my one guess. Too bad. You lose, but... No, but it is a male, a potato face. So you, this website, it's $15. It was actually $20, but they're having a sale right now. So it's $15. Get it it while you can, everybody. Get it while it's hot. And you send in a photo to this website and they mail you back a perfectly edible potato with that photo on it. How many stars would you guess that this product has? It's actually on Amazon. It is actually on Amazon. Um, that's high quality. Five stars. Telepathic right there. Five freaking stars right there. I mean, 
Really? Is that not a great product or what? So it, it like it takes a picture that you send in and it puts it on a potato that you can eat. Yes. Wow. I like that. That that's a good present and a good gift. If you have, you know, an uncle that lives in Idaho or uh a good friend who's a big potato fan. Yeah, who knows? You might have a friend who's a big potato fan. <laughs> I, <laughs> no, I, I like the product, Jack. I have to say, a very good product uh, if you're a fan of potatoes. Great product here, Sammy. And unfortunately, we will have to say goodbye to you guys for now. Sammy, any last words before we end the 62nd? episode of chatter is it oh uh 61st i believe 61st you believe oh yeah a little, Any little last word? another fun episode as always uh i don't know if you guys noticed a little easter egg but i'm joined by michael scott in the back wearing a mask <laughs> oh yeah when, when, you, when you get that uh, well, I, my birthday was recently, and shout out to my good friend from Texas. Yeah, he, he got me a cardboard cutout of Michael Scott because he was the one who introduced me to The Office, which is like my favorite show. So yeah, he's chilling back there with his mask on, and yeah, so but he's, he's taking proper episode. COVID precautions. Yeah, he's taking proper COVID protocols, unlike. Uh, a lot of people, unfortunately. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, another fun episode. And as always, and yeah, as always, <laughs> as always. I'm like, I'm like Christopher Russo with that. Uh, 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 yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, you were running out of. You were running, I was running out, out of air. I, I may have. Uh, what? My lungs may have exploded. Anyway, great episode. Love you guys. As always, check out the socials. Chatter from the Cheap Seats on Instagram. Chatter underscore Cheap Seats pod on TikTok. And leave a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. That is it for now. Sammy, take us out. Bye.